0: All right. If you would please turn open to John chapter twenty. Going to look uh, at a unique perspective this morning on the resurrection story, uh, more for the the interaction that Jesus had with Mary Magdalene on that Easter morning, that resurrection morning. Maybe do a little uh, biographical sketch, sort of of Mary in her interaction with Jesus. Because what we find here is that Jesus goes way deeper into Mary's experience than maybe she, well, we know, than she realized, but maybe she was even comfortable with. And his interaction with Mary is the first occurrence of seeing the risen Jesus. He chose Mary to reveal himself as risen. She was the first one to see him alive. Now, I, I, I love how God does things because, remember, he uses uh, the shameful stuff to, to really shame the wise. The guys that think they know everything. In Roman culture, a woman's testimony wasn't considered anything. It was worthless. And here Jesus, getting ready to turn the world on its head because of his resurrection, Chooses a woman. I'm going to reveal myself to you. Now you go tell everybody. Because God's all about adjusting and breaking down stereotypes. And I just, I love how his wisdom said, watch this, Rome. You think you know everything? It's the testimony of these ladies. But let's look at John chapter 20. We'll read verse 1 and then jump down to verse 11. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She runs back, tells Peter and John, they run there, and then we pick up at verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, just tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my, I am ascending to my Father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Father, we ask that you would give us just a window into the heart work that you do in your people. And we would put ourselves before you and say, Lord, do that heart work with us too. Which, sometimes that heart work is hard work, but Lord, please, we want to experience your healing freedom. On this, we remember Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus wants to go deeper into our lives today. Deeper than we may anticipate, or deeper, perhaps, than we are even comfortable with. Mary discovered in this moment a freedom that the risen Christ gave her and that he had always desired for her. Jesus reordered Mary's relationship with him. Jesus changed her life while she walked with him on the earth. And then seeing the risen Christ has changed her destiny. The freedom she got in seeing the risen Christ changed everything. So I start with asking us this morning, who are we looking for? What, what Jesus are we looking for? Years ago, somebody gifted me with this deluxe Miracle Jesus action figure. <laughs> it's never been opened because I just want to preserve. I've watched Toy Story, the more valuable it's still in the box. Here's a Jesus that his hands glow in the dark. He's got five loaves and two fish. Watch out, you're going to feed forever. And he's got this little the, the pot and one side's water. He turns it into wine. Like the essentials from Jesus, right? The essentials. But you know, even if we have been walking with Christ for a long time, or maybe we're still just trying to figure out who God is, we oftentimes experience and anticipate a Jesus this size. A Jesus that is pocket sized, manageable, that we can just say, Look, just perform a little miracle. You're the deluxe Jesus. Come on, give me a little miracle right now. Come on, help me, help me out. But when we do this, when we reduce. Jesus, from who he is, and as he's described, the risen Christ, when we reduce him, we miss out on the real blessing. See, what we can easily come into, uh, we can settle for coming to a Jesus that we get something from. We're more interested in what we get from him than who he is. Because when Jesus comes to Mary, he's coming with who he is. He's coming with his God sized picture that Mary needed. So, do we see the risen Christ? Do we see him enough in our own lives that he changes everything about us? See, Mary was looking for the body of Jesus. Just tell me where you've laid him. Who took him? I've got to find him. I've got these spices. But what's going deeper there? Maybe she wanted his body because of the comfort that she got by being around him while he was alive previously in his ministry as she followed him around. Let's let's remember who Mary is. She was not the wife of Jesus or the mistress of Jesus. She was a friend of the Savior. In Luke chapter 8, we see that Jesus changed Mary's life in a huge way. Luke 8, verse 2 says, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That's quite a that's quite a testimony, right? Well we can see that, wow, that's cool. Jesus delivered her, she's walking with Jesus. But let's think about who Mary was before she encountered Jesus, a social outcast, the subject of everybody's scorn. Derision and jokes and mocking, perhaps. Nobody wanted to be around Mary. Nobody wanted to touch her. Nobody wanted her. She. she would, oh, there's Mary. Come just to wreck everything. I don't know who's going to show up. You know, because there's a bunch of her. That's Mary. The crazy woman that people avoided. And And seven demons. That is... Relentless torment. Her physical appearance may have suffered from the demonic possession. She may have even borne the scars from having harmed herself under the duress of those demons. And here Jesus came and delivered her from that torment, from that chaos in her life. He made everything right and new and and comfortable and worth it see jesus when he healed her he took her shame away and he kept it away as long as she was walking by his side we know that mary was part of those women Uh, luke 8 verse 3 says those women who were following him provided for jesus out of their means she's caring for jesus she she you delivered me and she's walking with him she is She's caring. She may be washing his clothes, preparing his meals just to serve him out of gratitude. You gave me a life, Jesus, when I had nothing. Jesus took her shame away and he kept it away as he was with her. So Mary follows. This is great. Now he's gone. Perhaps she was afraid of what life would be like now without him. She knew the comfort of being at Jesus' side. Jesus was her protection. Jesus was her confidence. Jesus was her security. Nobody talked anymore when she walked down the street as long as Jesus was with her. Now, all that's in question again. She faced life like it used to be, with all the anxiety and fears that had been kept at bay as long as Jesus was by her side. She wanted the body of Jesus to maybe feel his presence like she knew it before. Jesus took her shame away and now she's facing an uncertain future without Jesus and it's too much for her. She's weeping. And she's not seeing things that are happening in front of her because of her tears. She wept over her loss. She wept over being defined once again by her shame her tears were so full she didn't even comprehend angels sitting where Jesus was in that tomb she didn't recognize and the other gospel accounts says their appearance was like lightning but she doesn't see it because of her tears and we think how often do we miss god's work or god's intention with our lives because of our own tears we think God's not paying attention or maybe he's just busy with somewhere else because our tears keep flowing and flowing. Or maybe we try to deny our tears and keep them from flowing, which then results in frustration and anger. See, the angels knew this is a joyous occasion. Woman, why are you weeping? He's not here. He's risen, just like he said he would. She doesn't catch that. Now that, that phrase woman, remember Jesus in John chapter 2 tells his own mother when she says, hey, when he does turn the water into wine, hey, just do what this guy says, all right? Do what my son says. He says, woman, what are you doing? With? That's not a woman. What's going on here? No, that's a very tender, in the original language, it's a very tender way to address a female. It's, it's a, a cherishing phrase, word. So the angels are cherishing Mary in that moment. Woman, why are you weeping? This is a joyous occasion. She can't see the joy because she's she's still bound in her fear. Then her tears prevented her from seeing Jesus. She thinks it's a gardener. Maybe she didn't pick up her head because she's in such grief over her loss. What will life be like? What will it feel like with Jesus not here? Just, just tell me, tell me where you've laid him. I, I just want to feel that comfort again. I want to feel that protection and that security. I want to feel that confidence. So where's his body? Mary was under the impression that maybe robbers had taken him or authorities had taken the body of Jesus, but she didn't capture in that moment that the power of God had invaded that tomb. She didn't understand that yet. Then she comes and Jesus comes in the the same tender compassion he always had for Mary. He asked her, why are you weeping? This question is not, uh, will you just stop already? Enough with the tears. Living in a house full of females for a long time. There are often many times where I've just said, this is not something to cry about. We have to there's other things that we can cry about. This doesn't qualify. So we need to do something about it. it never helped. It never helped. I've learned finally. As all my girls have grown up. Just let them cry it out. Just cry it out. And then we'll come back and talk. Here's some tissues. Have a piece of chocolate. Seriously. Gentlemen with daughters. Let him cry it out. Give him a little piece of chocolate. Chemical reaction does make him happier. (laughs) He coming to her with this tender compassion. Why are you weeping? Don't you remember what I said when I was with you? That this would happen? On the third day I would rise from the dead? But his question to her is going after something in her heart. He's going after that fear and anxiety as she thinks about her future without Jesus. She's she's thinking the wrong question. And Jesus with that question, why are you weeping? He's going after her heart to the the depths of who she is. Jesus questions of us. They always probe and plumb the depths of our souls. They get into the the nitty-gritty of us that nobody else knows about. And then he asks her, whom are you seeking? What Jesus are you looking for, Mary? You're looking for the body? The dead body? Or are are you looking for the risen Christ? Mary was looking for a body that would help her forget her painful past. I just, I can't face the future, so I need to go back and, and figure out how to live. And look, we, we figure out these ways in our own lives when we have pain from our past. We figure out these ways in these goofy coping mechanisms that if it's better to live with a dead something than, ex- than experience the freedom that Christ's resurrection brings us. Jesus wanted her to see her future and that her future would never be the same. Jesus called her name. Names are powerful. You know, when your parents, when you're really in trouble, they use your middle name. It's like, oh, this is not going to go well. Why do we we have that response? We have that response because of the authority that comes from parents. And parents, they name their children as a demonstration of benevolent authority. God gives that to, to parents to name their children. Here, I name you this. And it shows love, but it shows authority. So Jesus comes in both of those, and he, he, he calls her lovingly Mary, but he, he comes with an authority and a power that she's forgotten about. Mary felt Jesus' authority. She feels this power when Jesus said her name the comfort and the security of his presence. It was immediately restored. And she turns from weeping to rejoicing in her response. Rabboni. Now that's just not teacher. Fourth grade, math. Yeah, teacher. No, she's digging back. She she knows in the Old Testament that that phrase to capture teacher was really a name for God. So she looks at Jesus and she says, my God, what a beautiful moment. What an intense, intimate moment. She's recognizing that God is here in front of her and it really would change everything. So she clings to him. Maybe she's on the ground still. She holds his ankle. I'm like, I'm not letting you go. You're alive. Remember, she might still be thinking temporally like, oh, good. can oh, walk down the street again without fear, without anxiety won't be made fun of but that's not what Jesus is going after see Jesus would let her know and he has let her know that she'll always be, he will always be by her side she's overjoyed in being delivered from the reminder of her brokenness and his shame but then Jesus says don't cling to me Jesus what do you mean here you're alive. Remember his teaching about, he's not pushing her off. Like, Get off of me. He's not doing that. He's saying, no, no, no. Don't cling to a temporal. I, I, I'm not going to be with you in the same way. Your destiny and your, your future is going to forever be different. But it will be through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that will come. I've not yet ascended to my Father. When Jesus ascends to the Father, then he gives the gift of the Holy Spirit that we celebrate as the church on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday, when we remember, oh, that's when the Spirit filled. And, and Jesus' presence wasn't something that the disciples just gathered around. It was something that they now had inside of them forever. What a glorious day. And Jesus letting Mary know, hey, you're going you're gonna to be okay. <laughs> but look, her seeing him happened by hearing him and particularly by hearing his him say her name. And now it makes everything different. Jesus would go to the Father and send the Spirit. The Spirit would dwell inside to seal God's work in his people, which in the New Testament is called adoption. He would be her comfort and her security and her peace. And he gives the clue about how. This is how he removes shame. He gives the, the promise of his presence in adoption, sonship, when he says, your father, your God. We can't miss the power of those as well. Jesus is sharing his access to the father. This made all the difference for Mary. Her shame would never come back because she was a daughter of the king. She was a daughter of God. New identity never to be erased, never to be removed, never to be lost. Jesus called Mary by her name in order to give Mary his name. She saw the Lord by hearing his name over her, seeing Jesus is hearing the power of his sacrificial death in our place. And the powerful resurrection that we come to and say, Jesus, enough of me trying to figure out life on my own. I trust you. You took the penalty of my sin upon yourself on the cross. And you rose on the third day so I could be adopted by you. As I trust you and I place my faith in you. This changes it forever, doesn't it? His life now comes to us and resides on the inside to forever change us. To forever remove shame with adoption. See, Jesus came to take our shame. He came to take Mary's shame. We're like Mary in brokenness and chaos, running and running and running from our shame. Searching for peace that will somehow silence our guilt, not even knowing exactly from where all the guilt came. We're not able to live with the humiliation. Something deep inside of us longs to release the pressure and blame something outside of us for our pain. Every day seems to come short as we struggle to find peace for yourself. Memories come and go, reminding of our, of our emptiness, feeling like we've always been put on the shelf. There's got to be some type of, type of escape, we think. Maybe I can earn a bit of fame or wealth that will finally save me from the deepest parts of myself. The, the routine continues as we go rolling, rolling, rolling through life, distracted from darkness by the, the hurried life of raising kids and loving A wife, there are highs and lows, more joys than sorrows, but we never feel like we're able to truly relax from the strife. Within there's a tension so thick. Sometimes we feel it can be cut with a knife. Exhausted and angry on our hamster wheel, we ask God, why can't you just fix all this? Is it too much for you to just take away my pain and fulfill my wish list? We're tired of all the wrestling, the confusion. Confusion, never making progress because life feels like practice for a game that we'll never get in or even win. Will all of life be something else to process? When the guilt and humiliation weigh heavy, all around us seems to be calamity of our own making. Have, we have to keep going in the hopes that things will quiet down, trying to be better, trying to do better, trying to look better, but only faking our way through relationships because we're not taking the necessary time with God to get a sense of who we are in his making. You see, when it's just you and God To sort things out. And like Job, you lay out all your excuses for your pout. He begins to pour over us his love in a rout. As he systematically breaks down all the things that we think are holding us out of his presence. He goes down deep into me. When, when face to face with God's love and power, we are afraid what is flowing to the surface as the recollection of all the hurt again tastes sour. Could all this have been avoided as we wonder where he was in that hour when pain came upon us like falling bricks from a tower? We work hard to keep a separation between God and our dark isolation. But God has come running after you and me to light up the recollection of our past. Not to be cruel, but to heal us with his holy application. Deep in my soul, I begin to see him alongside of me in my pain. Not as the one causing it, but as the one experiencing the shame. Gently he shows that he, he's with you all along in order to deliver you from the blame that has hung over you with the claim that you would always be nothing and unworthy to share his name. Jesus came to take our blame for our sin and shame in order to lay on us his claim worthy to bear his name. He came to take our shame so we would no longer blame ourselves or those who would throw shame. His voice calls over us so we will hear him say our name. And when we see him risen, we discover the freedom he bought to live by his name. He came to take our shame. He came to take my shame. He came to take your shame. He came to take our shame. But today, will you say his name? That's the surrender he wants from us. That tender, loving compassion that he comes to us. Will you surrender to him today? Say enough of all the fighting, God. I'm done. I'm done. I trust you. I trust you with everything. Will you say His name and surrender in order to know him as your Father and your God? So I asked, "Whom are you seeking? Mary was told to go tell the disciples of her experience with Jesus. When Jesus calls our name and we respond, we're joined. He's, he's telling, "Go tell my community, my people. Go tell them what I've just told you. She says to them, I've seen the risen Lord. See, God, when when we, the church really is a collection of people who have said, I trust you, God. I Repent of my sins. I trust you for salvation. The fruit of that is God collects us into his family. If we are adopted by him, he collects us into his family so we can truly care and love on one another in the expression of Jesus coming in his love and tender compassion for his people. We are a community that bears his name. And we need the reminders for one another. We need the reminders of our sonship, of our adoption. We need the reminders of our identity in Christ. But we do it together. So I invite you to join us as a community of God's people. Community of people who have said, he said my name and I said his name. Because you know what that invites? All the brokenness and the chaos that we're still trying to figure out. But we do it in love, we do it with patience. We do it because that's what God's church is about. That's what his family is about. So I ask for you to join his family. Maybe you have never, ever truly surrendered your life to Christ. You know about him. He's there when you need him for a little miracle or you're hoping, just deliver me from this, please. But today you see Oh, he's after way more. He's after way more in my life. I ask you, will you just right now surrender? Lord, I trust you. I repent of my sins. Jesus, I see that you died in my place on that cross. Please give me your resurrection life. That's simple. And God sees in your heart that when you do that, you know what's happening in the heavens? A party. A party. <laughs> Angels are rejoicing over you. So Lord, I thank you for coming to each one of us in your tenderness, in your love. I pray, Lord, that we would see you and it would make all the difference in the world. I pray, Lord, that you would you would have access, that we would give you access and we would have a surrendered heart to want to say, God, go deep inside of me. Please go deep inside of me to heal the parts of me that I try to ignore, that I try to act like are not there. Jesus, you really do want to go down deep into our hearts. And we ask that we really would experience your freedom, We would experience your healing because there's a future awaiting us of your glory. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for rising on that third day because it has made all the difference in the world. We love you. Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful happy Easter.